Hi, and welcome to the Seven Elements of Wellness podcast. I'm Trisha Marcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. We are the creators of the Seven Elements of Wellness lifestyle routine, dedicated to helping you feel good more than you don't. The Seven Elements of Wellness are spiritual, mental, emotional, relational, nutritional, physical, and financial. And what we found is that we're all living these elements. It's how much attention are we giving each one. Because where your attention goes, your energy flows. When you combine them all and they flow together, it's powerful. This is personal development combined with an overall wellness program. After over 15 years spent on our own health and wellness journey and trying countless practices and modalities, we discovered it's not woo-woo, it's wellness. Woo-woo. Each one of us is on our own path, and what resonates with one might not resonate with another. The purpose of this podcast is to save you time, money, and energy by bringing you the knowledge and the tools that can help empower you and meet you where you're at. It's really a journey of self-love, a foundation to help you be the best version of yourself and let go of the version of you that tells you you're not. Learning to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable and just be. Let's go. Let's see how many days in a row we can flow. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to season three of the Seven Elements podcast. I'm Trish DeMarcus. And I'm Lacey Wall, aka L-Dub. We're going to be your hosts now of season three. Yeah, here we, we are. are. Beyond excited because today we have someone who's been a huge path changer in our lives, Megan Saletto. Boop, boop. <laughs> Hi, ladies. I'm hey. so excited to be here. So excited. We, we're we coming off a big high because you were our last speaker last night at the Financial Element event. You lit the whole place on fire. That uh, was yeah. such a phenomenal energy. You had people in tears, uh, chills. I mean, you always bring that fire. I've already mm. seen posts this morning about people just changing their life. So that's fantastic, right? I love that's, that. I get lit up about that yeah. stuff. That's what we. That's what we're here to do. I yeah. feel like yeah, that's something special. It's, it was a different way to look at the financial element for us. It was uh, the whole topic was on wealth consciousness and the energetics of money mm-hmm. and energy. Yeah, the energy of money. And that's that's a little woo woo for some. Mm-hmm. It was very woo woo for me when I first met you. And mm-hmm. we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> but um, when I go to your website and to read a little, you know, about you and study, Megan, what it says there is change maker, international speaker, author, workshop leader. And the secret ingredient for success for many influencers and self-made millionaires. Mm-hmm. How'd you become the secret sauce? Like, mm. tell me, let's go back. Like, I want to hear your story. What mm. got you to this space to be able to influence and coach thousands of people? Well, this is going to be good news for a lot of people because it started with me being really messed up. That's where it started. Like, I really wasn't functioning in my life. And I got introduced to something called rapid eye therapy. And it kind of just moves some stuff. And I think the thing that's really beautiful is like when we release what's not us, us just gets to show up. You don't have to figure out who you are. You just need to kind of clear the windshield so you can see the road a little bit and off you go. And so I think I became really passionate about, because I... I was pretty messed up, you know, like I, I probably totaled five cars in my twenties. I almost died like probably 15 times, you know, and just really struggled, had a very traumatic childhood, but, um, there was no emotional expression of what was happening and we had to pretend like nothing was happening. So I kind of was living in this place of like one part of me was like, everything's great. And the other part was just toast. And it was expressing itself in a lot of really mm, dangerous (laughs) acts. (laughs) And um, 
when I got exposed to rapid eye therapy, which was ended up being my first modality, I just all of a sudden I just started like showing up different. And I didn't even my friends saw the change before I did because it was it was such a natural healing modality that I just got to be more me. And they're like, you're so different. And I'm like, I'm just being me because I was being who I knew myself to be on, on a core level, you know? So I, um, the lady that was, uh, taking me through rapid eye was Carol Tuttle. Some people might know who she is. So she was the first person that kind of went tap, tap, who are you being Mm -hmm. and why are you doing this? Right. We Mm -hmm. were actually, uh, on the same tennis team. That's how we knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. We called her the, we call, we called her the Tuttle the Tuttle Nader, <laughs> because you'd come in these big sunglasses. You were so scary and intimidating, but she's like the biggest heart ever. And she just was like, I think this is, you need to do this. And I'm like, I'm not going to do this. This is weird. This was like 29 years ago. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to blink and somebody's going to move eye directing device and I'm going to feel better really. And, and then I'm going to say, this is what I do to my PhD father. Like, ah, <laughs> anyways, she's pretty bossy. So she was like, you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't have any money. So she actually created a trade for me in the Rapid Eye Center to do like marketing for them. All the while to the training, I was like, oh, like I'm doing this trade. This is not what I'm going to do. My first session, because you have to do a couple of sessions so you're clear enough to be in the training. And mine, I I got the founder as my Rapid Eye Tech because all the trainers did, all the participants. And she says, well, what's something about my practice at the end of the session? I said, oh, I'm not doing this. Remember I'm marketing for you? And... <laughs> she's like, consider the reason you think you're here is not why you're here. And I was like, you people are crazy. (laughs) And I went into the training and everybody was hugging me. And I was like, you don't know me. Why are you touching me? Stop that. And like, if you got, you guys know me now, like I'm a big, like, hi. And like, I, I like fall on people, you know, but I was so shut down. Like I was so shut down. And that training gave me a lot of tools I learned about the brain. I learned about trauma. I learned about, it gave me an education that I would say 99% of life coaches don't have out there. And so about five years in, I was like, wait a minute, why is like half my clients like taking off and the other half kind of going back and creating more crap? And I realized that my clients that were taking off already knew who they were. They knew what their gifts were. They knew where they wanted to go. So when we freed up the energy, the energy just could channel into their purpose. The other people didn't know who they were. They didn't know, like, have any idea of where they were going. And that's when I was like, hmm, I wonder what I can do to help them find that. And I got connected to the Hendricks and Gay Hendricks genius work. And I then studied with them for about eight years. But this was way before life coaching was even a term. But I started fusing those two things together. I started fusing clearing with um, helping people discover who they were and what their genius was. And then I just was so, I still am this way. I'm probably trained in like 20 modalities. And they all just kind of come together at the right time and place inside of me. And so that's kind of how I became what I, what I am. But, you know, I would just attract people to me and they had a lot of talents I didn't know about. So that's the secret sauce. You asked me about how is it that I became that? It's that I think that we all have a power that we have no idea about. So any person could be as successful as expressed as they Mm -hmm. want to be. So it's not like I found these special people. No, people came to me and I helped them see they were special. That's right. That's so yummy. Mm. That's absolutely that. I feel, I feel that's truth for us. Even that's the same for us as these people keep coming into our lives. Like you, for example, that have 
helped us on our path. And like I always say, Megan has cracked me open like an egg. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Back a little bit, you're talking about Carol Carol Tuttle, Remembering Wholeness, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, And many wonderful books. That was probably, that was the first book that I read on my own spiritual and healing journeys, Mm -hmm. Remembering Wholeness, which made me realize this wasn't really Mm woo-woo. And then Gay Hendrix was, Mm -hmm. I mean, um, what's it called? The Big Leap. The Big Leap, which is really profound. And I want to get into a little bit about that. But when we first met you, we're going to talk about your signature event, Live Your Magic. Mm-hmm. And with Live Your Magic, that was the same thing. When when I walked into that space thinking it was a business conference, I had gifted this course to myself, I thought, mm-hmm. um, kind of up level my business and let go of beliefs, I thought. But when I walked <laughs> in, so it fun. was, you know what, I think the first 30 minutes we were soul gazing. <laughs> and uh maybe i think so i think it was probably within 30 minutes we mm-hmm. were having you know complete strangers and look people in the eye and, and just doing things that were super outside of my comfort zone mm. so tell me what that's about <laughs> i know what it's about now mm. but what brings that into the space why start there well in that particular event i Oftentimes we'll do a lot more warm up before I go that deep. But that particular group, there were a lot of leaders, there were a lot of coaches, coaches, and I needed to show them very quickly this wasn't, this was different. And I needed to challenge where they were at because if you're in a, you're in a workshop and you're sitting back going, I know what's going to happen next. I know what this is. Then you've left learning, you know? And so It's always kind of an interesting intuitive balance to know what I can do when and how deep I can go. And I had enough people in the room that needed that, that I I knew the others would kind of come on board with it as best they could. And so it was a decision that I made. It was funny because my partner and um, Christopher, who um, I know has been on this podcast, were like, she's doing that now. (laughs) They were both like surprised that I was going there because it wasn't just eye gazing. I had you belly to belly. Right. So that was like, because that, what that does is it opens you belly to belly is something that a lot of people don't know about, but it, it actually, your body has to drop some of its barriers to do that. So I was just opening this opening the group up and challenging people's comfort zones because the magic is outside your comfort zone. And that's true across the board. Like uh, my partner, Suzanne, and I were talking about this the other night. And it's like, um, even your zone of genius, if it gets too comfortable for you and you don't push that, then you're actually not in your genius even more anymore, even though it's your genius, if that makes sense. Yep. So even as a facilitator, that was a challenge for me because I was like, mm-hmm. okay, there's people in this room that lead events like this. And like, how do I challenge them? Right. And who do I need to be? And so that was actually an edge for me to go to take people to that process that quickly. And I you're still alive. It. I loved it. For me, it was like, that was like a heal the healers kind of thing. It's always just a reflection of yourself and to go that deep, that fast. Energy doesn't lie. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And just knowing yourself, knowing yourself and then being able to see that in other people and knowing that, oh, that's that's what needs to happen here. That's the that's the connection. We're going to make some connection here. And, and for me, it completely, I would say, well, got me super in my head and then completely out of my head and into my heart. And, you know, the person that I'm connecting with is across the room is this big, burly, bearded man. <laughs> so really outside of my comfort zone. And it ended up being one of the most healing moments of my life, um, mm. healing 
so much within me that I didn't even know needed mm-hmm. to be. And then I just realized the rest of the weekend I had to surrender. I had to surrender <laughs> and just be open to whatever Not happened. Not a business and conference, but it, it is gave, a business conference. It is a business conference because it gave me the confidence I needed to stand up on that stage without the fear, without the worry and the worrying about what other people think that I could stand in my power and I could be seen. You showed me how it was okay to be seen. I love that. I love what you say about the world needs to see you. The world doesn't need to see her. So uh, (laughs) last night we talked a little bit about money beliefs. You talked a little bit about attachment style to money. Mm -hmm. What are money beliefs, the most common and the styles around them that you see that hold people back the most? Well, as I said last night, it actually starts energetically before we have language. And then we add, once we start learn how to talk, we add words to that energy or to that feeling. And oftentimes the words don't get all the way at the energy, but I would say that one of the biggest core beliefs that stops people financially or holds up the flow is either not enough or not worthy and they've attached money to worth. And so if they're not worthy, then they can't have that. Now it's an interesting thing because I know a lot of people that have a lot of money that run those two things, but they try to outrun it. And so in this, in, th- in 3D, if you work hard enough and you make enough widgets and you have the right people, you can make money. Money is actually quite easy to make. And that's why idiots can make it. <laughs> For real. <laughs> yeah. um, but a lot of them still never dealt with that lack stuff. And so they're having trouble in their relationships. They're, uh, people don't want to talk to them. They don't want to be around them. They're stressed. They're tired. They're getting, they're getting sick. Because the beliefs are still playing out, just not with money, if that makes sense. And so, um, but those are probably the two core things that play out with money is like a low sense of self-worth and I'm not enough. Or mine, I grew up on a farm. So mine was like, and we never took vacations. And so for me, my one of my deepest geniuses is play. So it was a total missing experience growing up that I could play for money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's something that I've been working a lot on is getting out of the have to work hard, struggle, have to work. Because as an entrepreneur, we could work all the time, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like go nonstop. But we shouldn't. So that was something that that I've been working on undoing um, and really stepping into that play energy and really owning that as my relationship with money. You know, and you talked about, I did throw out the attachment style thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just something that I noticed at the beginning of this year, I did a program called The Money Whisper. And while I was doing it, I was like, oh my gosh, as, as I was facilitating the group, I was like, oh, we're doing the same attachment styles with money we do in relationships. So a lot of you know what the, probably out there, what the attachment styles are, is like avoidant attached, there's anxious attached, there's chaos attached, which is you switch back and forth. That's this kid. And that's, that's also, are we, are you Must be a cool? generator thing. I don't know. Oh yeah. Is that a generator thing? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 We find ourselves in that. Yeah, because, yeah, so there's this sort of going back and forth between anxious and avoidant, right? And if you look at your primary relationship and then you look at what you're doing with money, you can map it over. Oh, yeah. Because that's that's something that we're every single person on this planet, no matter where you live, no matter who you are, you have a relationship with money. It touches all of us. And so those are going to get projected on money. So, you know, for chaos, 
uh, attached folks. <laughs> it's like, everything's great. I don't need to look at my bank account. I'm, yeah, baby. I, I don't even want to look at that. Woo, woo. And then it's like, oh, crap, where's the money? Oh, money, where are you? Money, where are you? Are you here? Are you here? Where are you, money? Yeah. You know, and we go, <laughs> and um, I think that doing the work, doing transformation with money can change so much because money is our teacher. And it's just a reflector, right? And so I've been working through a lot of my chaos attached through money and learning how to be sovereign, have money and me be sovereign together, right? And be in relationship. I was like, hey, money, this is what I'm doing. You want to you wanna play? Yeah. You know? And to start having a flow, a different kind of flow. So it's funny because um, my partner and I were talking the other day about do you know anybody who's secure attached? Like, really? And we were like, we were looking, looking, and we know a lot of people. We're like, hmm. Her three-year-old granddaughter is the only person we know that's secure attached. <laughs> and we're How like, did you come to that? Yeah, and we're like, her mom is teaching her emotional intelligence. It's so beautiful. This kid has like such a space of independence and then connects when she wants. And we're like, oh, that's amazing. Right? But, you know, we're all in some, relate. we're on our way to secure attached, but we're all working through those things. Like it, all of us have some of that stuff. And so we have it with money and we get to heal that, you know? I really love it. I, I really love the relationship part of it. That's the biggest thing I took out of magic was really the awareness of the relationship. I know we keep saying it and it's just like, it's your relationship with money, it's your mindset, but it really truly is. And it comes from that relationship with yourself, right? And then learning about relationships with others, but really the biggest part of magic was that connection of, oh yeah, that is a relationship too, just, just like any other relationship. Mm -hmm. And just realizing the way that I was treating it. You talk about that, like, you know, money wants to serve, money wants to play. That's just that little shift, just that little nugget was just everything they needed to look at things differently and, and then look at where I could cultivate that relationship mm -hmm. with money. Mm -hmm. This is powerful uh, work through money that we can learn. And you helped me work through a lot of those beliefs with my own story is I haven't, I didn't feel like I ever had any issues with money. Mm. It flowed to me. I didn't have to worry about it. It showed up for me later in life through a divorce. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Actually, mm -hmm. when here now I have my own money, I need to make my own. I need to go out on my own. And all of the stories came out then mm -hmm. that I didn't know. In fact, like, I don't think my mom listens to this, but if you do, mom, I understand. Uh, when I did tell her about my divorce, what came up for her was, oh, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to survive? Like the fear, because I get it. She was a single mom and had to work her ass off to support me and that fear she doesn't want that same for me mm -hmm. and I in her eyes had a real cush beautiful life <laughs> mm -hmm. and so when I went through that divorce I decided I didn't want like an energetic attachment of someone having to pay me money every month and so we settled together on a sum and that sum has been not knowing what to do with it holding on to it scared I'm gonna lose it losing some of it investments just the mind trickery that money can play if you're not in that space to even really know what to do with it is that's where my work has been has been and just you and um being able to look at those beliefs a little bit different makes me realize the having that's one of the books that you talk about right mm -hmm. and the gratitude and learning how to um, really appreciate and have it and then it flows it wants to come and play mm -hmm. right so fear that's what comes up for me when it has in the past when I've thought about money and I've seen it play out time and time again because part of our seven elements is the financial element and I know we all have money stories but fear how do you get past the fear that we could talk about for a couple hours <laughs> or days because <laughs> it's what facilitates one person isn't necessary what facilitates all like I've met people who they go oh I had a belief I was not enough so I just stopped doing that and I'm like I've been working on that for so long 
<laughs> and until I realized what I said last night is like not a thing. And it's, it's like a booby. It's like this hamster in a wheel. Like am I enough? Not enough. Or, you know, it's actually not a thing. If you go a little bit deeper to the self, to the real self, because in a court of your peers, who would say you are enough and not enough and by whose standards, it's not a thing. Right. Okay. So it's different for everybody. But back to your question, something that I realized and you guys were at the rise event with me and you did the process that I was doing, which is I was doing a vagus nerve reset with money mm-hmm. because a lot, I would say probably 99% of people on this planet have survival wired with money. We've made money about survival, which is why we don't play with it. So that's where your fear is coming from is this sort of nervous system situation. And it's interesting because some people are kind of like baked in it, bathed in it, and they don't know they're even scared all the time about it, right? In your case, it was brought forward by a triggering event, a divorce. Now, what did that trigger? It triggered what you were raised with was your mom all by herself, probably scared to do it herself, probably feeling all that pressure. So that wasn't just like what she said it was what you lived as a child. Mm -hmm. So it triggered all that experience as a child that you probably felt and being an energetic, probably empathic little being probably took some of that story on to try to help her, try to pull. That's what the healers do is we try to pull the crap out of our parents and then we end up sort of feeling that, thinking that it's not ours, right? And so there's so much. Just right there, I felt like going. <laughs> we did a lot of that last night. We, clear that. We clear that. Release it out. That. We sh- it, it out. Sh- so sh- it out. So um, that process that I did that was a very special uh, vagus nerve reset that mm. was channeled. So mm. it's not something you can get everywhere. But there's so much online about resetting the vagus nerve. If you go and have your vagus nerve reset with just bringing up money, I'm actually doing uh, now a three session series where I help people reset their fear with money and get their nervous systems feeling safe with money and safe with the relationship with money. Because as you know, especially in the anxious attached phase, it's like, where are you? Where are you going to come? Are you going to be here tomorrow? And we do that with money, right? And so that's a PTSD response. That's something that's not real. That's a a repeat from the past. So getting your nervous system like, and as far as I know, I'm the only person like doing this because I just... In preparing for RISE, and this is what happens when I prepare for an event, is whatever that group needs comes through. And it came through that this group had a lot of sort of sticky bits with survival and money. And so we just did this release to have people have an experience of peace with the energy of money. And that can, that can be a real game changer. So, you know, there's tapping, there's rapid eye, there's, you know, clearing it all the ways you clear it. But for me, that really went deeper than most of the stuff I've done in the past to help people release fear around money. Yeah, that was an extremely powerful energy in that room, right, Liz? I mean, yeah, people were releasing just stuff. the synchronicities, just of magic, and then rise, and just wow, it was incredible. It was just what we needed at that time. It was, it was intuitive, and it was such a release for me. And get to know yourself, you're like, wow, I didn't know that was in there. 
mm-hmm. get to really know who you are and it just it's really so freeing mm-hmm. to be able to open yourself up like that mm-hmm. and just and i get to allow this space for all the yummy stuff to come in the thing that i find that's really powerful i think is and for anybody listening if you've had a lot of trauma if you've survived a lot of really hard things your ability to survive can get in the way mm. because so many people, they know how to survive in a certain level of fear and they know how to live in it and they know how to figure it out. They figure it out because they're ultimately so brilliant and creative, but they're using it to maintain survival accidentally. And so that's why I love doing this work <laughs> with with people who have had a lot of trauma because um, you don't know that you're using your gifts against you. Yeah. yeah. No, I just get so emotional. No, you. just so emotional because it rings so true. I spent 40 years plus in fight or flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a space that you don't even know you're in. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so grateful for you and why you're here and just <laughs> the magic that's created and how you get to reach people. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, it's just that knowledge. That's exactly how it is. You feel wired that way. Mm-hmm. You feel wired that way. Yeah. And it's survival. And I just, the minute you said that is totally my story because these last few years, you know, getting to know myself, all the personal development, it's like, wow, (laughs) it's crazy to see how, how scared we can be. How the fear is just so real. And because we're so brilliant, we can manage it or keep it at bay. And it's almost like we're running up a mountain with a hundred pound bag of rocks on our back. And we're like, I can do it. I can do it. Yeah. And not realizing that actually, if you drop the rocks, <laughs> it'd be a much better climb. <laughs> right. You know? I got into such a proving thing to say like, yeah, I'm getting through it. I've survived it. I can endure it. I'm powerful. I'm strong. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's a different space to be. And <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Because I recently, a few years ago, I hit a level of something that triggered PTSD for me. Uh, from my and I've done a lot of work around it but I didn't even recognize that I was in it and then I don't know when I realized it maybe six months ago or something and I was like dude this isn't me yeah and I realized I'd done it again that I'd out survived stuff right (laughs) and that so that what that's what brought me back into the vagus nerve stuff because the vagus nerve stuff wasn't around when I first went and cleared my trauma stuff, right? And it was like, how do I reset this? You know, and some people use medicine, but we need something that we can do in our daily lives that help us like when we recognize that we're there. And it's interesting because I beat myself up a little bit. Like, how did I, I teach this. How did I not recognize Mm, this? And so your share actually was like, oh, there are people that need this. And that's why I was, went through it again, because I needed to know that it doesn't even matter how much work you've done. If your trauma button gets pushed, you can go right back into that mechanism because when you're in PTSD, it's a system that operates without your conscious. It's like breath. It happens whether you're conscious of it or not, but to be able to recognize it and to have that choice of like, oh, I have tools and I don't have to survive this is so important. (laughs) And so I just, that, that's a piece of why that I hadn't seen yet of that I had gone through it and was dumb again you know Ah. but it's just how it is I love that and I think it goes to show like that incessant feeling of getting somewhere right we do all this development you think that you're getting somewhere and I I see that all the time even within myself it's like you go into that survival it's like you fill your cup to survive Mm -hmm. that's what I'm noticing Mm -hmm. but 
that's where the magic is, is when you can see that and know how to love yourself. Because that was something that, that's why the seven elements, you know, the self-love and diving into the elements, having people around you that can dive into elements and help you see yourself that way. Like be around people where you can see yourself in. That's so powerful. That's, I'm so grateful for you. When you talk about a daily practice, that's what you just mentioned. Like what is your yeah. daily practice so that the PTSD doesn't maybe get triggered so mm -hmm. often? Mm -hmm. what, are, what do you do? It's one of the reasons why I have a, a program coming up called Mornings with Megs. It's just seven days where you join me in my morning routine. And a lot of people have uh, segmented the morning routine. Like, okay, I get up and I exercise and then I go meditate and then I write and then I, mm -hmm. but it's all separate. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I've found, first of all, is I don't have three hours. I'm not someone who gets up at 4 a.m. And like, how do I access the most conscious part of me and what I am calling the slipstream? So we talked about last yeah. night, right? Yes, After yes. the event mm -hmm. of like, you know, you can be totally in your meat yep. and like just like an inch to the right is the slipstream where you can come back into flow again. Mm -hmm. So I find that if you start your day with stuff that gets you in your slipstream, things like different kinds of breath work, because different kinds of breath work do different things. A lot of the breath work people are doing actually trigger your survival system. Yes. Um, it actually upregulates rather than downregulates. And so like getting you connected to your consciousness, to your body, to the energy that you are and the energy that's around you in the universe. So if you start the morning in a place of, oh, this is me, this is me. So if you get off track and one of my practices is every hour I take sometimes three to 10 minutes and I walk around the block or I do a breathing exercise or I journal a couple things because that's the other thing that I see is people start off in the morning. They do this even two or three hours worth of stuff. And by two o'clock, they're wrecked. And it's like, that's a lot of hours for somebody who's energetic and picking up the energy of everything and everyone yes. all the time. And so what I find is it's kind of like this thing that you've got to be aware of during the day. But even if you can take 10 minutes, because mm -hmm. in my program, I'm going to do five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So there's all different lengths of time where you get into the zone. Then you're going to recognize when you're not in the zone. You have to know and have an embodied sense of who you are to know when you're not in you. Yeah. And so starting out in, oh, this is me. Okay, cool. And then like, you know, in an hour, if you're like, it's like, oh, this isn't me. And you have a tool to come back to yourself to get back into that slipstream, even if it's just a few minutes and doing that throughout the day is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. And, and. I'm like, it's crazy, like how, because I see clients all the time, I'm doing workshops and I'm transmuting energy. And so like, I probably have to do this more than most people. But if you're a healer, if you're a coach, if you're a therapist, if you're an artist, your level of sensitivity and what you're feeling and what you're picking up is so vast, you don't even know it. And so to have that place where you like, okay, this is me. You have to know who me is to know when you're not in me. And me is light. Me is expansive. Me is creative. Yes. Me is woo, right? Yeah. That's me. And so if you can get into that space really clearly every day, then you're going to start to be able to go, oh, that's not mine. That's not me throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Just I, a slight to go to the light. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, <laughs> yes. I think that what you're really just saying is just you got to, you just integrate all of this into into your daily life and mm -hmm. tap in 
And like, Mm -hmm. if something comes up, that's when I'm going to journal. I don't have to sit down every day and be like, I'm going to journal. You know, it's like, oh, this came up. Oh, this is a good time to grab my pen. I want to write this down. I want to remember, like, to get excited about these things. Like, my body's feeling stiff. I need to go move. I want to go move my body, move this energy out. And like, you can just kind of put these daily practices uh, by tuning in to see what you need. And I tend to work with a lot of really high performing people or people that want to get to high performance. And so most of them are like, I don't have two hours. I don't have. And you know what? I don't actually think that's as useful as that moment in the moment. Like this is what's happening. Let me make that adjustment. And not everybody can find two hours, but everybody can find two minutes here and there throughout the day to adjust, to tune it in. Mm, turn it yeah. up you know tune and tap on i love that that's like getting right to it like hey let's show up like you get a choice right there mm-hmm. i love that mm-hmm. one of the things that came out of magic for me was one of your famous quotes and that's how i started my mornings for a hot minute i would say for a couple months i would wake up i'd open my curtains and say how's it get better than this <laughs> so tell me where did that start from um there's a cool little story that you told us at magic but a, t- mm. a, a flat tire, right? <laughs> I think it was a flat tire. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the stories. So that question came from a body of work called Access Consciousness. And that body of work really focuses on inquiry and question and being in like communion with the universe. And that actually questions more powerful than intention because we, our mind tends to fight with our intentions or we decide whether we could believe that intention or not. So we end up in sort of a push pull with it. But when you ask a question, you don't invite any resistance. So like, for instance, you go, okay, I can't afford this. And some part of your brain goes, well, I don't actually, I don't know if you can, like, you know, we've been having a really hard time with money and blah, blah. (laughs) Right. And so you end up in a sort of a battle with yourself when you go, wonder how I could afford this. So it opens this space of creativity. Your brain hemispheres start connecting and you start going into creation. So we don't know whether we believe we can or we can't, not as useful as how can we. And so that's the power of a question. And what it does is it opens you to everything. Like how does it get better than this is when something happens to you, whether it's positive or you perceive it to be negative. If you're on a conscious path and you have conscious intent and you have this desire to grow, Everything that's coming into your path is part of the universe orchestrating itself in your behalf. Okay. So Einstein said the only theory he could ever prove was the theory that we live in a friendly universe and he could actually quantify it and prove it that the universe is always trying to help us be more us. Like think about it, right? A tree. It doesn't have to go, oh, where am I getting my needs met today? It's like the sun comes in and and if we wouldn't be so dumb, dumb, that would happen for us too. We're the only creatures that can work against our essential nature. Sadly. So when you move into, I I know, (laughs) but when you move into question and living your life in and as question, then you start opening up to things. So something might happen and you go like, I can't even tell you how many times I'm working with a client and they're like, I hate my job, blah, blah, blah. They come in, oh my God, I lost my job. And I'm like, you hate your job. You called this in. Yeah. Hello. It's not bad news. You may not know what to do right now, and it may feel scary to you right now, but this is one of the puzzle pieces the universe put so that you could be free, right? So we have this tendency to go, oh, this is bad, and then we react and we fix Mm -hmm. the problem. And it's like, whatever happens, whether it's good news or bad news or whatever, it's like, how does it get better than this? Because what that is, is thank you, I received this, what's beyond it, what's better than this? Mm -hmm. 
And on the positive side, a lot of people have these caps, these upper limits, right? Maybe they received $100,000 and like, this is the most, this is the most, this is the most, right? All of that is a capping of the energy. And if we go, oh, how's it better than this? We open. What else, universe? And we get into that receiving mode. That's what that question does is it moves us into receiving. Let's do that. And I have so much Mm -hmm. fun with that because I especially have fun with what appears to be bad news. Because like in the moment, you really think this is crap. The universe doesn't love you, right? And when you, how does it get better than this? And I've spoken that facetiously sometimes, like when I'm really in my crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. (laughs) And it it always just makes a little more space. You kind of laugh at yourself and go, yeah, how knows it get better than this, right? And then like, but what it does is it kind of makes a little bit of room for something yeah. else to come in. Like I'm starting to look at things like that too, knowing that like getting excited, like, ooh, this is really intense. I'm excited to get through this because I know what's on the other side because I know I get the opposite, you know, that mm-hmm. that pendulum that swings, like for everything that's created one way, you get the opposite reaction of the other. So I'm like, once I get through this, all the yumminess is coming. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like mm-hmm. a pickleball game for me. Like which, which move am I going to move? <laughs> which skill am I going to be here? What am I going to grab onto? I like that. One of the practices that we um, did with Chris Stubbs before was in the moment when it is so good, when you're feeling so, so good is how long can you stretch that? How mm-hmm. long can you feel that? It's interesting mm-hmm. how long sometimes it cannot last. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. kind of could be quick. And once mm-hmm. you have that awareness of it, I mean, wow, mm-hmm. what is that about? Most of us have a set point for how good we can feel how much joy we can have. And so if something takes us to the top of that, the brain goes, okay, we don't know how to control it if it gets any more than this. So it'll start ratcheting us down, right? A little self-sabotage right there. One of my tools for that is that I go on walks that are specifically designed to practice holding good states longer. It's a little bit like having this meets sort of energy work, right? So like I'll be walking along and see a tree and I'll be like, thank you tree, you know, and I'll like let myself feel that energetic relationship with the tree and I'll like do a body scan and I'll like, oh yeah, that I can really feel because when we go into nature, We get attuned to the acoustical wave or the photon wavelength, which is what nature is. It's this wave of energy. You know how I was talking about last night, how we're these waves that mess up particle boards? That's what nature is. That's why you can go into nature when you're like head tripping and like an hour later, you're like, huh, because nature, that photon wavelength is moving through you and it's starting to break down the thinking and letting that go. That's the nature's particle board interrupt as well, right? Anyway, so when I go on these little walks, I'm just practicing letting those sensations feel like and being with them. I'll do it while I'm driving. Like anytime you have a positive sensation, anytime you get a little rise, just take a couple of deep breaths and send it all over your body. Even if you can sit with it for like five more seconds, 10 more seconds. Like most of us can't sit in that for very long. The study that the Hendricks used to quote, and I don't know where the study's from, but they said the average person can only feel joy for four to six seconds before they have to cap it, before they have to ratchet it down. The average human. Now, we've all done enough work to stay in those states higher, but you have to realize and be really gentle on yourself because we're the first round of folks changing that in 30,000 years. Mm. Up until the last 
30 years, 25 years. The whole design was how much pain can we endure? How can we survive this? That's what our whole biology has been geared to. So we're changing 30,000 years of biology. Give yourself a break, ladies. You know, like, <laughs> right? it's going to take a minute to, yeah. to start. But that's what I find. It's back to that moment to moment living mm-hmm. thing where even like in this moment as we're having so much fun and connecting, yeah. like feel what that is in your body and just enjoy it. Like just enjoy the experience and like kind of simmer in it for a second, right? And you do that throughout the day, pretty soon you're holding positive energy longer and longer because your brain, because of the survival system, your brain sticks to the negative because it's trying to protect you, mm-hmm. right? It's like you're driving down the road and you see this cute little boy and girl in the little wagon. They're so damn cute. And then like a block later, you see your ex who you're thinking about the rest of the day, right? You forgot all about those kids. But that's your brain. That's not that's not an integrity or personality problem. That's what your brain is designed to do. And so you actually have to program your brain to be sticky for the positive. I love that. Sticky for the positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do that. That practice really helps with that. And that's part of what I've done in addition to the vagus nerve reset um, and the different breath practices that I do is like rewiring my amygdala. There's scientific studies that that will rewire your amygdala over weeks and months. When you hold a positive feeling, you're saying this body, this is where we want to be. This is how we want to live. And it's safe. It's safe to feel good because we're here because our ancestors didn't eat the wrong berry. So our ancestors were really freaking good at making sure to avoid the tigers and the poisonous berries. And they were on high alert. People that have a high level of like sort of PTSD, mm-hmm. those are the people who survived actually. And so we're having to change this whole biology of how our ancestors got here, got us here. And that's part of the disloyalty thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Because we're saying, no, we we don't want to just survive. We want to thrive. We want to feel good. We want to have joy. Yes. But your amygdala goes, uh, look, I've been here for like 30,000 years and you're the new kid on the block and we don't trust you and we've kept your generations alive. So F you. Yeah. Right. And so <laughs> yeah. we have to kind of take that amygdala and go, come on, it's OK. It's OK. Let's sort for the positive. Mm-hmm. That's actually the tool that's required now. Which leads me to. The question of your new course that's coming out, which is self-esteem is sexy. Mm-hmm. That's kind of down that path. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about this. It's like our new intro for the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, the name um, came to me because I was how courses courses sort of come in and go, you need to talk about this now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's not sexy because nobody wants to do self-esteem work and in marketing for it, in in enrolling for it. It's interesting because people think about other people, not themselves with regards to self-esteem. It's so funny. Oh, I know. I'm like, this would be really good for my cousin. I'm like, okay. And we're just talking to my partner and she's like, but self-esteem is sexy. Like when somebody has mm-hmm. self-esteem, yeah. it's so sexy. It's so attractive. attractive. It's attractive, right? Yeah. And so at this juncture, after... 28 years of like working with thousands of people. It is the one thing that will take people out is how they see themselves, how they feel about themselves, their level of worth or sense of self. Um, It's everything. And it's like a lot of people, really creative people will like find ways because as survivors and creators, we will find ways to get certain things, but then we can't sustain it because that lower self set point will pull us back to what it knows is safe 
right? Over and over and over again. Yeah. So it's the number one thing that you can increase that will increase every result in your life. I don't care how successful you are. There's more because we're infinite. There's more magic. There's more gifts to be claimed. There's more you to come forward. And wherever you are in your journey, upgrading that is everything. So the universe like, kind of teaches me what I'm going to teach. It kind of brings it through me. And I got to see all the places where it was still playing out with me on this journey to this workshop. And uh, I probably would have been one of those that went, oh, that's nice. Let me find some people to, to send to that. And even though I've done what I've done and helped who I've helped and all the things that was still going on inside of me. And it's, I think it's the number one thing that will help us sustain higher levels of success in our lives. Absolutely. I agree. One of the things that I've seen to notice when I, when I talk to people and you get to know people and where they're at is that people don't dream. Mm. They don't, so sad. they don't dream. It's very sad. I feel like when I look at your life and you've, you've gone to you've traveled to many countries, you've, you've changed a lot of lives. You've written a book, you're in a docu-series. I mean, you've done a lot of things that people wouldn't even dream of. What is next for you? Like, mm -hmm. what, what is your, what are you dreaming of now? Well, I'm the consummate experimenter and I really just like making bigger experiments. And that always gets me a bigger life, you know, like, uh, I've learned to look at my current limitation and what doesn't work to catapult the dream. Because sometimes, so a lot of people, they go, I don't know what I want. But look at what you don't want, because that's what most people can see more clearly. And look at the opposite of that. That's a great place to start if you're not a dreamer, right? Yes, look at what you don't want. Mm -hmm. So the thing that shifted, I had created a lot of success locally in Salt Lake City, grassroots. I did a little bit of like what you guys have done with Southern Elements is I just put out a class like every week for 15 years and built community and gave people resources and all the rest of it. And I was telling people they could have whatever I want they wanted, but I didn't have the life I wanted. I was just working like 60 hours a week. And you guys probably know what I'm <laughs> yeah, speaking a to a little bit about that, right? <laughs> yep. I kept saying like my dream was to travel. And I freaking never left the state except for if it was for a training or to see my family. That's not traveling, you know? Yeah, same. And so yeah. I had to like look at myself in the mirror and it took an autoimmune disease of toasting me out. I had got Hoshimoto's because I wasn't in alignment with who I am. In that way, I was helping a lot of people, but I wasn't living my best life. Yeah. And then I uh, attracted Suzanne into my life. And uh, I would say, oh, wouldn't it be great if we go to Hawaii and I come home that night, it would be booked. And I was like, oh, crap, yes. I gotta like make some money. And so like through that, oh, you say you want that, we're doing it. And it held, there was this level of fire that it lit in me. And then I had this thing come in. I wanted to expand my business. The class kept me stuck in Salt Lake City. And I was like, how could I do this class globally? And then I started a radio show an internet radio show, live internet radio show. And I started getting people from all over and, and I went from local to global. And it was interesting because I worked with a coach, uh, Rich Litvin, and he was a very, he's a high performance coach. Like he's like, you know, waiting list in 200 K a year to work with him. Now um, I coached with him because I wanted to understand a different way to work with people. I moved from doing like one-on-one -on -one to project-based stuff through him, but he wouldn't even let me talk about my business for like two sessions. And I'm paying like a thousand dollars a session. And I'm like, crap, I need to get to the business stuff. But I'm so grateful because he helped me see the life I wanted. He says, until you know the life you want, 
You shouldn't build your business. Your business should support the life. You should build your business to support your life. And then next thing I knew is that I was doing my events in different parts of the world. It's like, instead of trying to create enough money to do the travel I wanted to do, I started creating my business to pay me to travel. I totally flipped that on its butt, right? And so it was through that I don't want that I got this dream. And so you ask me what my dream is now, it's really to get back my time entirely and to like my dream literally is it's kind of simple, but maybe not. It's like to be self-sufficient enough to go where I want to go when I want to go there at a moment's notice. What I learned in traveling is that it wasn't a luxury that my body gets activated in different places. And I have something for that land and sometimes for those people. And like there's a symbiotic thing with me in travel. And so for me, if If I'm doing that, I'm serving who I need to be serving where I need to be serving them, right? And so uh, the first iteration of that is I'm doing a travel-based mastermind next year called Flying High Adventures in Living. We're going to start at a trapeze school. What? Because I'm very, I'm very fire throwing. Now it's trapeze. Yeah. So I'm very experiential, but when you... When you go to different parts of the world that have different language and different smells and tastes, your brain has more neuroplasticity as adult than it when you're doing anything else. Maybe sometimes on like medicine and stuff, but it it's even more dynamic because when you leave the experience you're having, you don't go into you don't go back into your life. You have to sort out how to talk in a different language or how to communicate and what is that food and, you know, and these different smells and tastes so that your brain doesn't go back to solidifying itself. So that's my next experiment. Like what would happen if we took a group of people and just kept putting them in places where they can't go back to the what they know? Yeah. Makes me think of being being more of an observer, mm-hmm. being an observer of like getting back to that because I noticed when I was doing the seven elements and going into meditating, I noticed that I judged and interpreted everything. <laughs> and so I would play this meditation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I would get angry at myself. I beat myself up for a while without awareness. <laughs> but no, it's really um, being an observer and being in that present moment. So I just, I just kept noticing that. But I noticed when you, like I go different ways walking now in town, you know, different, mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. I want to see things differently. I know this stuff. I've been here 19 years. It's, it's patterned in me and it brings Mm -hmm. up all kinds of stuff. So I've been aware of that, taking different routes and different things. So I like that concept of putting yourself in a different space so you can, it rewires your brain. You're taking things Mm -hmm. in like if you're a a new baby, like you're taking it in, you're observing, being more of an observer, like, ooh, what's this? And you're curious because that's where it is, is the curiosity, be more curious than being in that fight or flight of judgment and everything. So Mm -hmm. I really love that idea. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to the trapeze. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So next step for you though, is you're doing another Rise event, Mm -hmm. Rise Sovereign. So Tell us what to expect from that. Um, What do we expect from that? It's just being in a soup with other conscious explorers who are on the path is so valuable. Like having having (laughs) conversations with people all in a room, all together. That's part of the reason that that process you guys are speaking to that I did in the room was so palpable is we had 80 people changing their nervous system Mm -hmm. around money all at the same time. There's (laughs) there's a ripple effect from that, right? In in addition to just the personal exploration, breath work, the meditation, the cold plunges, you know, um, Abby and I are co-facilitating the money piece this time. So we're going to, Abby Levine, we're going to 
to bring our geniuses together in that. So it's really like it's designed to address all the elements essentially in different ways. That's that's what they're doing. But in a group setting, um, in a really safe place in the ranch is you don't go back home. So you're sitting on the ranch, Mm -hmm. like kind of for days, like, you know, letting yourself reset and recalibrate and open to different possibilities. Well, I'm excited for um, anyone who has the opportunity to get to experience that because I know it's transformed us. And um, Megan, it's been an hour. I could keep you, I would, I could talk to you for hours. Is there anything that you would like to share? Any last thoughts? What? comes to me is to serve the two of you. Mm. And I'm wondering if there's a question that you have or something that you're up against with growing, you know, what you're growing that I could assist you so I can, like, it could just be something very simple or it might be like a moment of like coaching so people can experience the value of that, but also in service of the two of you. Yeah, absolutely. I I would say for us and our business, which has come up is we have started these, you know, free community events and done them for 22 months. Mm-hmm. And it was one thing that we were like, we're, we're never going to charge for these. We'll monetize <laughs> in some other way. And we put in hours and hours of work to something that is our passion and our mission. And we do it for free mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because we do love, we call it healing and serving. Mm-hmm. We really do. It's like, I guess we do have big hearts, but there comes a point of you got to take care of you. And I know that we've been battling with this idea of how do we get this exchange? How do we get people to more like buy in and, and I guess decide for themselves and not just show up of like almost like an expectation. This is free. What are you going to show me type mm-hmm. of thing, a vibe mm-hmm. and how to, how to, I guess it's like beliefs of people thinking, oh, now I'm trying to sell you something or I'm trying to get something out of you that holds me back. It's like mm-hmm. this. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. How do I? <laughs> mm-hmm. Just learning about how to, how can we be more authentic? So part of it is clearing the energy called to invite people to invest in themselves means I'm trying to get something from them. Mm-hmm. Like that belief yeah. is what's in the way. Okay. Right. And I've, I've worked this one, boys and girls. Like yeah. <laughs> it's something like that when you're, when you have a huge service component of what you do. Again, we've been taught that money is like this lesser thing. And so, oh, I can't charge. But if you actually really connect in with the consciousness of money and how it wants to facilitate is letting money facilitate those exchanges, right? Yeah. I'll tell you a really brief story. I was, when I first started my practice, I was doing a lot of trade. <laughs> like I got flower pots. I can only use so many flower pots <laughs> as it turns out. And and Science Bank wouldn't take flower pots. So <laughs> that was a problem. You're like, got to switch this up. Yeah. And I got to this place where I was like, I'm either going to have to go get a job, which means that I can't work with as many people or I'm going to have to start charging. Right. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not good at jobs and I don't work well for others. So I think I'm going to have to go this other direction. And just with so, it took so much courage actually to say, oh, that's this much. And it was, there was three girls that were in my life skills class, my community class at the time. And they came up after I like, how do we work with you? And I just told them the fee at the time. And they were, they were probably working like minimum wage. Like I was like, my sessions were like 90 bucks or something. And they were like, great, we'll figure that out. And I realized that I was enabling the people I was trading with because I realized that everybody's resourceful. And it's like, if I discount my fee or I don't charge you, what am I saying about you? That you're not capable 
that you're not resourceful, that you're not creative. I realized I was holding people in this place. Well, guess what? Those three girls, they took on extra work. They figured it out and they came and did, at the time I was doing a 12 series and they came and did the 12 series and their results were 10 times the results of the people I was trading with because they were invested, because they valued it. I don't care how spiritual you are. Money is how we express value in this reality. And so when people don't invest, they don't get as much. So you're actually sort of taking away from people's capacity to invest in themselves to even if it's 20 bucks to go, I'm showing up and here's my $20. And do you know how many people actually would feel better if they paid you? Because mm. they feel the inequity of the exchange mm. as well. I love that. I love that because that's where it's been at for it's been like a balance of like not telling people what to do and then like wanting and getting them to see the value of investing in themselves. So yeah, I can see that. And again, you can't, you can't pay your bills with no revenue. Right. So and if they like what they're experiencing, if they're getting all this value from your community, then they need to inv- they need to contribute to that community. And can how do you keep growing if there's no revenue? Yeah. Like you've you've actually the revenue is required for you to grow it where it's designed to grow. Right. Money wants to facilitate growing. Yeah. Quit getting in the way. Yeah. Stop it. Now Ooh, we're, start, we're starting to see that now. I love that. Thank you. Big, huge part of our life. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you so much for being you and for Mm -hmm. sharing your element with the world. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Where can we find, where can people find you, Megan? Uh, You could go to megansoto.com. There's nobody named that, so I got that. You know, I think there's someone else, one other person called that now. And Facebook, I have a public figure page as well as a personal page. And you can catch me on there and catch me on Insta. I just use my name on Insta. And um, that's probably the best. Get on my newsletter. If you sign up for my newsletter, there's get lots of cool free stuff. The PDF of the first book I wrote, uh, Power of Living Genius, with uh, me also reading my chapter from a best-selling book I was part of and a few other things I don't remember. But that will let you know where I am in the world. Uh, what my offerings are, and I also send out tools and tips for people in the newsletter. So that's mm-hmm. probably the best way I get to, that. I love it. to know what's happening. Um, the way that Facebook works these days, about what about 2% of our audience is actually seeing our mm-hmm. posts. So I think these days I'm kind of refocusing to newsletter because I own that. So that's what I would suggest. Thank you so much for Beautiful. being here. Thank mm. you for coming all the way from Salt Lake and sharing just your element with us all. And I'm really, really grateful. Thank mm. you. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, we would love to connect with you. We believe that community and relationships are a vital element. And when you're doing the work, sometimes it can feel lonely. It doesn't have to be. You can join us on our Seven Elements of Wellness private Facebook group. This is a group where you'll get ideas, be able to ask questions, and find the support of a like-minded community. You can also find us on Instagram at Seven Elements of Wellness. This is where you'll find out about upcoming events, look for inspiration, motivational quotes, and a lot of shares. Make sure to check out our website at 7elementsofwellness.com. Here you can learn more about our mission and connect with our sponsors. You can purchase merchandise and get the latest on local and live streamed events. Are you guys down for a challenge? We got you covered. Head over to the website for all your challenge info, purchase a lifestyle kit, or download your free checklist. If you'd like to create your own seven elements of wellness community where you live, reach out to us. We'd love to help you get it started.
The Seven Elements of Wellness podcast is created and produced entirely by volunteers who are passionate about sharing this message and assisting you on your journey to feel good more than you don't. If you would like to contribute to helping us continue to bring amazing content through this podcast and community events, we would love your support. You can find us on Venmo under our business account at Life Integrated. Any donation is so greatly appreciated and we thank you so much.